Gethard sets up deep in the pocket. Goes down the field for Smith. Fifty-six yarder. It's got no. Does not have the leg. And Chris Davis takes it in the back of the end zone. He'll run it out to the 10, 15, 20, 25, 30, 35, 40, 45, 50, 45. There goes Davis. Oh my God! Davis is going to run it all the way back. Auburn's going to win the football game. Don't miss a thing from the world of college football. Stay right here for College Gridiron on WFUV Sports. Welcome to College Gridiron, a podcast from WFUV Sports. I'm Will Talent, and I am joined by Brett Tulip and Merrick Rhodes. A little brief episode as we are in the midst of the week one opener of college football. Notre Dame and Navy, the first game of the season, kind of went the way that everyone, for the most part, I would say expected. Notre Dame, they won big time, 42-3 to in Dublin, Ireland. Big game and a big way to open the college football season in 2023. And then a Big Ten matchup that we'll talk about, Nebraska and Minnesota. The opening of the Matt Rule legacy in Nebraska didn't quite start off on the right foot. And then some more movement in the Super Conference talk here. We had a lot go down, especially today, with the ACC. We'll get into that and how you know the Pac-12 is... Down to two beyond the pack two beyond 2023. But Merrick and Brett, how you guys doing today? I'm doing good. You know, always good when football season rolls around and you could you could start talking about the gridiron. And I obviously love baseball, but but there's nothing better than phasing into that that football season. Absolutely great to have college and NFL starting. You know, the next week or two. Exciting time for sports. Yeah, it definitely is. One of my favorite times when baseball and football overlap, but when baseball is more towards the end and football is more towards the beginning, um, the reverse is good too when spring training starts and then all the football playoffs are going on. But anytime that baseball and football overlap for me, it's always great. But let's get right into it, guys. As I said, 42-3, to the final in Dublin, Notre Dame over Navy. Notre Dame, you know, they came out fighting. The Fighting Irish. There you go. Big time game from Sam Hartman, who was 19 for 23, 251 yards and four touchdowns. Pretty brisk. It, pretty seamless. Um, a couple Bergen County guys, too, here. Oh, yeah. Eric, how about that? Steve Angeli, one of your guys at Bergen. Bergen Catholic alumni. He was one for one with two yards. Oh, yeah. Great, great way to, way to show out out He's there in, in Ireland. Ireland. <laughs> he got in. He did get in. And then Audric Estime, the more notable of the Bergen County guys for right now, a St. Joe's guy, my alma mater, God bless, <laughs> 16 carries, 95 yards, and one touchdown. He averaged almost six yards per carry. I want to start with Estime here, guys. A name that has, you know, to me, obviously he's been his name has been thrown out there more as the season has opened up. Last year, towards the end, he was getting more touches and his name started to flurry in a little more. But now he is the premier back for the Fighting Irish. And a guy that I could see already getting a lot of, you know, draft notices. Obviously with running backs, first round is always like, it's probably not going to happen. But estimate started off on the right foot. So Merrick, like I said, 16 carries, 95 yards and a touchdown. How big of an impact is estimate? 
you know, should he have on this Notre Dame offense this year? I think as big of an impact as he can, I think that should be Marcus Freeman's goal with him. I think I think that there's a real chance that Aldrich Estime is one of the best running backs in college football. I, I think he coming into the season already has that stand that, that standing in in the running back rankings, but I think he definitely can make an argument as one of the best running backs in in this year's draft class if he decides to declare, which I think we all know he will yeah. because of his talent. But I think he has the chance to be the best running back in college football. And like you said, Bergen County guys. So, I mean, you and I, we've been watching him since he was back in high school. And even back then, he would just Animal. run all up and down the field. And he's a strong runner, man. He is a strong runner. Even even his touchdown the other day, I think it was a one-yard run. But when you have a guy who can just power through that that line when, you're, when you get down close to the goal line, that's, that's, a, that's something that all teams should hope and strive to have a guy who could just punch it in whenever you needed it. And I think estimate could be that guy. So I think there could be a high touchdown total for him this year, as well as, as well as like you said, 95 yards is not bad on top of that. So I think he has a chance to be one of the better running backs in college football this year. Yeah, absolutely. You know, estimate is going to be an important part of this offense in the run game particularly, but I will say more impressively was Sam Hartman, you know, six year senior hasn't really played with Notre Dame. 40 touchdowns the last couple of years, near 40 touchdowns with uh, with Wake Forest, but was super impressive. And I think with Hartman and Estime, this offense is going to be super exciting. And Notre Dame might actually, I don't know about playoff, but definitely should be in consideration. Yeah, in the air, Hartman was great. You know, as we said, nine, 19 for 23 with 251 yards. His receiving core was also great. He had two guys with over 60 yards. Um, and three guys with over 30 yards each, or four guys, excuse me. So, you know, great all-around win for Notre Dame. Not much to say about Navy here other than it was just kind of the opening game of the college football season. There really wasn't a whole lot going on with them. One thing I thought was interesting about Navy is, as I was reading up about it, I mean, I've obviously known that, that Navy runs the triple option offense, and I didn't realize, because obviously I just kind of watched this game when it came on, because college football, I wanted to watch right. college football, but I always knew they ran the triple option offense, but I didn't realize that their new coach was saying that he wanted to open up the offense a little bit more in this game against Notre Dame, but proceeded to the only throw one passing attempt in the first half, and seven total. For the quarterback went, I think three for seven for maybe a little over forty yards, if I'm if I'm not mistaken. But not really opening up the offense too much, if you ask me. But I think this is kind of exactly how everybody probably thought this game was going to go. Notre Dame is now three and zero against Navy in this in this Irish rivalry they have. They I think they've played this is their third time playing against each other in Ireland, and and Notre Dame's three and zero, and I don't think that surprises anyone. But I think I think that performance out of Sam Hartman is exactly what Notre Dame needed to see because, I mean, this is an experienced guy. He's got over 13,000 total passing yards in college and over 104, he has 114 touchdowns in five years at Wake Forest. So that's a guy that's invaluable when you can bring him into a, a team like this, especially with, with like you said, Angeli. I mean, he's a guy that they brought in and they want him to be a QB in the future. And who better to learn from than a guy who's thrown for over 13,000 yards in college? Like, that is insane. And he became the third Notre Dame running back or third Notre Dame quarterback, sorry, to throw four touchdown passes in his first game with the team. So I mean, with Marcus Freeman losing the first two games last year, I remember everybody was very was very quick to attack Notre Dame and Marcus Freeman. But I think this this win was really big for them and Sam Hartman is really gonna be big for them. Yeah, absolutely. And and like you said, I mean, 
Navy's had success in the past, but you're you're not just going to beat a top tier college football team and quarterback with seven pass attempts. Like it's just it's just not going to happen. No, yeah, it's just there was no shot. It was a great mm-hmm. way to open the season to see where Notre Dame stands. Kind of like last year when they played Ohio State really early on, they lost, but they played really well. So, you know, we'll see where uh, the Irish stand as we move forward. Thirteenth is where they rank right now in the opening week, but let's jump in to some Big Ten action as we unfold week one of college football. Still got some games this week we'll get into in a little bit, but Nebraska and Minnesota, Big Ten matchup in week one. Nebraska, a program that has significantly struggled to get back to where they were, or at least close to it, about 20 years ago, maybe a little longer now, but um, they bring in Matt Rule, former Head coach of the Carolina Panthers. Obviously, the track record was from his college career with Temple and Baylor. That's what landed him this job with the Panthers. The Giants were also in on him at the time. Glad that didn't work out the way that it did. Matt Rule's tenure with the Panthers was pretty forgettable. But now he opens up back in his domain of college football, and it wasn't great. Minnesota beats Nebraska 13-10. to They could not get more than one touchdown in this game. So I want to start with, you know, Nebraska looking for a little bit of an identity change, trying to turn things around after some really lowly seasons the last couple of years. Um, not a great start, though, Merrick. Not not a great start not at all. whatsoever. No, and it's it's interesting because the sense I got from this game is I think that both of these teams are trying to figure some things out, but I think Nebraska definitely more so. Like Minnesota lost um, John Franklin or John Michael Schmidt, sorry, to the Giants. He got drafted, obviously, and they also without Muhammad Ibrahim, who was who was their all-time leading rusher. So they're they're missing some pieces. So they're trying to figure it out. the The run game was a little weak, and I, I think that's naturally going to happen when you. When you lose your center, you're missing two guards, and you and you lose your all-time leading rush. I think that's going to happen. But on the Nebraska side, I think they have a lot more to iron out because they have new head coach, new quarterback, and the quarterback. I, I he came. I forget where he came from, but Georgia Tech. Georgia Tech. Yeah, and he he struggled in the, in this game. I mean, he went he went 11 for 19 with 114 yards, a touchdown, and three picks. He threw three picks, and one of them was in a very crucial point in the game. Um, they had four turnovers and seven penalties, so mm. that's always going to hurt you. So yep. I mean, it's it's the first game of the season. We'll see how it goes. But Matt Rule did also go two and ten at Temple in his first year, and one and eleven at Baylor in his first year. So, so don't be expecting a college football playoff appearance from Matt Rule this year. Well, but yeah. he he's can got, definitely turn it around. He's got a and everything with college football. You know, you bring in a new guy, you bring in a new regime. Hopefully, it lasts. You know, a full recruiting. Um, I guess, lifespan, if you want to call it. That takes some time, obviously. He's got to bring in his guys, which he has, and then you need to then recruit the guys that you want to recruit, and he's not there right now. So, Absolutely. I mean, you guys pretty much hit on everything, but he was Big 12 Coach of the Year in 2019. Not long ago, but that's what caused him to get the job, which led to all the you know kind of negative experiences in the NFL. But, yeah, this kind of, this game was just kind of ugly, you know, the three picks, like you said, and Nebraska's just been pretty unlucky the last few years. Yeah. You know, they've just been one of those teams that loses games in the worst ways possible. They, like I mentioned earlier, they last finished above 500 in 2016, where they finished <laughs> nine and four. They like haven't come close to being able to replicate that sense. 
So they're definitely going to want to bounce back, but not a promising start for Nebraska and Jeff Sims. Yeah, maybe they'll have to play Fordham again. <laughs> yeah, their last biggest beatdown. <laughs> yeah, their last biggest beatdown that gave Fordham like the biggest W that they could get. You exactly. know, kind of get waxed on national television, but make some good money on it, and then have one of your own guys set an NCAA thirty-one record. tackles. Yeah. Yep. yeah, Mr. Ryan Greenhagen set a NCAA. Single game record for the most tackles ever recorded in a college football game against Nebraska. Hey, but Nebraska won by 40, right? Something like that. I don't know. But, you know, we we digress. Jeff Sims, quarterback for uh, the Cornhuskers. He obviously didn't look great. Three interceptions. But what I take from him, dual threat out there. Oh, yeah. Yeah. You know, not very good in the air for this game, obviously. 114 yards, three picks, one touchdown, 11 for 19. But he had he was the leading rusher as well. So 91 yards on the ground for Sims there. So definitely something to keep an eye on for Nebraska. Trying to unlock some more talent that they may have while also finding the right guys to put around the talent that they may want to keep on their roster moving forward. But getting a little way ahead of myself right now, it was game one of the Matt Rule tenure <laughs> yeah. in Nebraska for the you know Big Ten, but not a great start. Um, other Big Ten notes, what else is there? Minnesota, I, we could talk about Minnesota. Their quarterback threw 44 times in the air. Yeah. Ethan, I don't even know how to say yeah, his last I was, name. I was struggling with that this, this Kel- morning when I was trying to read it. Kaliak Manis. God, I don't know. 24 for 44, 196 yards, one touchdown. But once again, though, on that side of the ball, it wasn't overly impressive. I mean, Minnesota scored. They were down the entire game. They scored 10 points in the fourth quarter, and that was it. I think the big thing was that Nebraska was giving them yards because they would mm. they would turn the ball over. I, I know the last turnover of the game to set up the field goal that ended up eventually winning it from 47 out. I think that they got the ball on their own 49, so they literally were at midfield to start that drive because it was a pick late in the game, I believe. I don't know if it was the pick or the fumble because there was a there two turnovers led to both Minnesota's game tying and uh, eventual game winning scores. Mm. So I mean, you never like. That's probably the worst way you could lose. I mean, when you when you're when you're giving the ball to the other team in in great field position, so that their quarterback has thrown the ball 44 times, but only has to throw for 196 yards because you're because you're setting them up essentially on your side of the field. Like you just can't be doing that. And I think I think Minnesota properly capitalized on the field position that that Nebraska gave them, which is obviously the goal. So. Back with the Big Ten, let's look overall now because they're, for the most part, the slate wasn't, you know, overly amazing for week one, right? We're still in it. There's some big games this weekend, obviously, that we will hit on next week on College Gridiron. But I want to say this is probably going to be the last that we see of this for right now. And that's the conference realignment that has pretty much taken over the college not just football but college athletics domain for this entire summer and I want to say the final big move before the sports really start ramping up has finally been made so yesterday there was a report that uh, the University of North Carolina was one I think it was the only school to not approve of Stanford Cal and SMU moving 
to the ACC to get to get that Atlantic or that Pacific Coast. Just gonna a have to. Dose just gonna have Atlantic to become Coast. the Ocean Conference now. <laughs> exactly. You're gonna have to do a little changing. But that was yesterday, and then very early this morning, it was reported that those three schools in Stanford, Cal, and SMU are now going to make the transition to the ACC at season's end. That is really big stuff because that leaves just Washington State and Oregon State as the only two football programs in the Big 12 Conference beyond 2023. So, guys, this is big stuff. West Coast teams playing East Coast teams, a lot more travel going on, and this really solidified that, that they are making college football, you know, something more of a pro sense here. Started with the NILs, and now we're on to the conference realignments, heavy traveling, more money coming in. Ah, this is a big move. I want to start with you, Merrick, and let's let's talk about the Big 12 for a second. Or the Pac-12, excuse me. The Pac two, as we said before, we yeah. had on the on the mics here. This is this is crazy. Uh, can you this this conference has to fold, right? I mean, I mean, I don't know. They would have a really short conference schedule if they stay to, if they keep the band together. <laughs> but I mean, I just I can't believe how fast it happened. I mean, I mean, you talking you're talking two months ago, the Pac twelve was still a thriving college conference, and now just about like two 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 months later, they're down to two teams. But I think the bigger thing is it's it's good to finally see the ACC make a move because yes, they were the one that. conference they were the one conference that was still like they still have a lot of sway in college football with teams like Clemson, Florida State, all of them in their conference that they needed to make a move. They needed to make a move. They couldn't let the Big Twelve and the Big Ten take every single good college football program. And I think Cal and Stanford are great programs to add. And I, I that's why I was so surprised that they were they were lasting so long because those are historic schools. Obviously. They haven't had any insane amount of success recently, but it's still there's still good college football programs to have in your conference, and I think I think it was just only a matter of time before the ACC made a move, and I think I, it's interesting that Oregon State is ranked in the top 25 right now. They're ranked at 18, and they currently wow. are one of two teams left in the Pac-2. So I mean, whether they decide to go to like the Mountain West or something. I'm not sure, but they're definitely going to have to disband the Pac-12. And gone are the days of of the NCAA being an amateur an amateur sport, as as they used to say back in the Reggie Bush days. They prided themselves on their amateurism or their amateurness. And and with the travel and the NIL and the TV deals gone out the window, you're you're essentially a semi-pro at that point. Absolutely. And to get into specifically about the travel, UNC before this was approved, they issued a statement that said that they couldn't, they wouldn't agree because of the travel distances. I feel like we're way past that point. You know, we have, have we have Maryland, Penn State, and then USC, UCLA already in the Big Ten. (laughs) You know, now that this goes through, we're going to have Syracuse and Stanford. (laughs) Like the 12 hour flights are happening. If, if you're worried about that, it's too late. You know, we're way past that point. And again, like you said, the Pac-12, it's a bummer because the history and everything and the power five schools, you know, it's it's not going to exist anymore. We're just going to end up with a few super conferences. But, you know, it's all about the money. And even UNC, I think it's a lot more about the money than it is about, oh, you know, they're going to have to fly this far. And it's just an unfortunate situation. But we'll make for better games overall. And as a college football fan, I mean, I'm a Maryland fan, so it'll be worse having go. all these good teams <laughs> join. But um, 
in terms of matchups, it'll be a lot more interesting for sure. I think so. That's what I'm excited for. I'm, yeah. more, I'm a Rutgers guy being from Jersey. I yeah. like following them. So they're going to get to go Caleb Williams, <laughs> right? They're gonna, I guess <laughs> he won't be there at the time. but, but No, yeah. he, he won't. But the matchups like that, you know, new rival, rivalries will be born. The way that we look at college sports as a whole is going to change too. You know, this is a football, you know, designated podcast. But just to side note on what it's going to do for basketball too. This is a big move for basketball, mm-hmm. I think, as well. Not just you know the, the ACC, probably one of the more stronger basketball conferences of these football conferences that we're talking about here. So that doesn't really change basketball wise, but. That will be a big change for these other conferences. Think about the I'm Big very, Ten. Yeah, yeah, I'm very interested to see where that goes. Football-wise, I want to talk about Stanford. Now, Stanford, I thought it would be really interesting if they ended up finding their way into the Ivy, Ivy League. League yeah. But a couple things there. The Ivy League has turned more into – it turns more into a – club or like a country club by the year in my opinion it's really like you have to be there they're not just gonna let you anybody in stanford i think had the best qualifications to do that but they would just wipe all of those programs in every sport so it just wouldn't be (laughs) fair but i I like this for the acc and what i was saying too about how it's going to change how we look at college sports in general the power five it's going to be a different name it's going to be a different name um in 20 years, we'll be calling it something else. The power so, one. It'll yeah. probably be the power one. <laughs> whatever whatever the tagline is, we'll be calling it that so much, or pretty much just as naturally as we would label them as the big five or the power five. We will label it what the term will be will be at the time when, when it's trendy. So right now, obviously a big, big deal. But I want to talk about now af- as we get out of the – conference realignment because that's you know it's not old news because something happened but it's happening so often and it's just like we're going to keep burying this yep. until games are played I think this is like the fifth time i've talked about it hey, on air yeah. <laughs> it, right yeah you were on a few of those shows in the <laughs> summer where there were like two huge changes yeah. like right when it happened so interesting to see how that unfolds down the line but brett i want to i want to go over to you now Let's talk about some of these week one matchups before we wrap up here on College Gridiron. I want to know what matchup you both are most anticipating um, for this week, this weekend. What what games really stick out and and why do they stick out to you? Sure. So I had UNC versus U of SC, uh, which is tomorrow, Saturday, September 2nd. Um, good rivalry of the Carolinas. You know, South Carolina is supposed to be more exciting this year. We'll see if it happens, but uh, I think it's just a great QB battle. You know, Spencer Rattler been a little disappointing, but still like a known name. Shown and, some flashes, exactly, and still an NFL prospect ish. And Drake May absolutely is. You know, one of the top NFL prospects. So it should be a a nice showdown and one of the first premier exciting matchups. Yeah, I I went with. Fox's big noon kickoff on Saturday. We got <laughs> we got the Buffs headed to TCU for Coach Prime's debut with Love the that. with the with the Buffs in Colorado. It's interesting to me because I was reading this and I knew that he was saying he brought his he brought his luggage with him and it's all Louis. I think he said. Um, <laughs> I didn't realize eighty seven new players are wow. at Colorado and they have three returning starters. Wow, he cleaned and house. so this is going to be an interesting game for Coach Prime to to start off his his Power Five debut as a coach. And TCU, this is their first game since that 
infamous now 65-7 to blowout by Georgia in the national championship. So Sonny Dykes, obviously they saying they got a lot of prove and they, they want to prove that last year wasn't a fluke with their big run and then eventually making it to the national championship. So so I think this game's going to be really interesting. TCU are heavy favorites in this game. So so it'll be interesting to see how Coach Prime can do and obviously Shadur Sanders making his debut as well for Colorado. Now I'll get into my game in just a second. I do want to talk about Colorado before we wrap up here after we're done talking about the games because that is going to be a very interesting storyline to keep watch on all season long. And then obviously... As the years go on, and to see how long primetime stays with Colorado. But that was definitely a big shakeup early in the summer. The game that I'm really looking at right now, LSU-Florida State, two top ten teams. Week one, I love it. I love the intensity. I love what's going on with this game. LSU at five right now, and Florida State at eight. Obviously, that will change, but that is the opening um, standing for both of those teams in the AP Top 25. LSU... Just about 65% on the matchup predictor as the favorite to win this game. Uh, That's no surprise there, but I'm definitely very interested to see where Brian Kelly can take this LSU team still very early on in his tenure and see if they can also reclaim that glory that was there for just about a year or so with Coach O but has dwindled since, and that's just kind of how, like, LSU rolled, I feel like. there, There's always a good, like, two or three years where they're, they're right there. And then for, I would say, probably another four to five years in between, they're always really good, but they're never at the top. And then now they get into another period where they're at the top. That's just kind of how they go, so we'll see how long that transition takes. But that's my game. That I'm, I'm really going to be another great QB battle in that game. Yes, too. yes, there is. So another reason why I'm I'm highlighted on it right now. ABC on Sunday, 7.30 is the start time for that one. So before we go here, guys, I want to get just some initial reactions and just some thoughts on where you guys think Colorado is going to go with this season. I'll start with, I think... Deion Sanders, obviously, as you said, Merrick, 87 new players to the team, obviously very much cleared house. Where do you guys see them finishing this year? I think they're going to be a 500 team for the first season, and then next season they really take off. But I'm not going to go as far as like, whoa, they're going to be up there in year one. Yeah, I mean, I could definitely see them – Cracking the top 25 this year at some point or other, like maybe maybe low 20s, you know, just crack it. Have everybody, have everybody talk about it for a week. I don't know that they're going to be super successful, but for Coach Prime's sake, you can't have a, an overly bad year. Obviously, they're going to give him a lot of cushion, but, but when you completely clean house on a program and bring in everybody that you handpicked from either whether it was people that he brought over with him from Jackson State or brought in through the transfer portal from other schools – you can't clear house on a program and then completely completely drop an egg on the season, you know? Like if he has a really bad season, it's going to be it's not a good look for him to bring in all these hand-picked prospects and fail. Like you like you can't do that. I mean, I think if you win if you if you go around 500, I think that's about where I'd say people are expecting coach prime to be. I would say there's no more polarizing team than Colorado and Deion Sanders. 
a lot of people feel like he left Jackson State in the wrong way. A lot of people yeah. think he brought them great exposure. I think this will be such a great test to see if you can throw together a college football team and a Power Five conference and see if it works. Yeah, I'm skeptical, I will say. I would probably say around 500 or probably a little lower, to be honest. Um, but it'll be really interesting to see. And unfortunately, I don't know how much of a reflection this will be on how good of a coach Deion Sanders is. I mean, how many coaches can pull together all these different players, I mean, all these FCS players, and make a team that's like wins? Yeah, I um, uh, what I'm very interested to see, obviously, Brett, like you said, great exposure for programs like Jackson State. And people, you know, they, you could say that Dion did them dirty, but not really. By leaving, I, I, I think he if anything, really helped not just Jackson State, but programs like Jackson State. And it's going to be a very, you know, telling sign. If they can do something of substance this year, schools like Jackson State will get noticed more and people will start to be like, hey, all right, he took a lot of his talent from, you know, obviously from high school. He took some guys from Jackson with him. So they have talent there. Those are cool stories. Guys that were with Dion there that will go to Colorado and, you know, hopefully make some noise yeah. just to see what the kind of talent they have at these schools and to show for Dion's sake, you know, you can you can make it out of these schools. And he obviously has a lot of faith in them. He made them one of the best, best programs in the country for FCS. So we'll see where primetime goes with Colorado, but that's a, that's going to do it here, boys. That is going to wrap things up for college gridiron. Lots to look forward to is the conference realignments. Maybe they'll halt for now, but we will see the last major one happened with the ACC today. So big week, big week of college football still to be completed and that will do it. So for Merrick Rhodes, Brett Tulip, I'm Will Talent. And this was, College Gridiron, a production of WFUV Sports.